0: hello and welcome to the sean street experience in this weekly podcast i'll be sharing my philosophies on life on personal growth and on pretty much any other topic that i think is worthy of discussion I'm going to be looking hard to find interesting people to speak to and interesting topics to talk about, so I hope that you get something out of each and every episode. Welcome to the show. I'm glad you're here listening. Let's get into it right now. On this week's episode of the Sean Street Experience, I'm talking to my very good friend Sarah Brandt. Hi, Sarah. Sarah is a coach in Roma Mm -hmm. who does some really cool work with people. And I've (laughs) brought her along today because she is an expert around money habits and how you can change your mindset and your habits around money. So, Sarah, how about you tell us a little bit about who you are and why? You think we should take your advice when it comes to money?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Great intro. (laughs) So I am a coach. I suppose you probably want to know more about my background as a person and how I am really good with my money. So for me, I've always been really good at saving money and gathering money. And being able to like buy things, so I bought my house when I was twenty three I owned my car outright, and I had a really good paying job, and I had all of those things, and they were great until the point that I realized that money actually held me back because I had an unhealthy attachment to it versus a healthy attachment. So yeah, what I like to teach people is how to have a healthy attachment to money in that. It doesn't matter if you want to have money, like if you want to have it, you can have it and you can have as much money as you want. As long as your mindset around money is healthy and it's resourceful, that's the first thing to look at. And then once you kind of get that under control, then you can start building your wealth and whatever it is that you want more. So I ended up doing that. I sold pretty much everything and now I have now I rent. So I sold my house. I sold my car. I did get a new car, but like (laughs) I had that car for 10 years. I was like, it's an upgrade. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, I sold everything. I, um, went part-time in my job and yeah, I just, I feel better and I feel more free now. And I know that for me, Alone is not something that I would ever want to do again. And I'm very happy now with my situation and not needing to buy a house. Because that's kind of what you grow up with, right? It's like you yeah. grow up, you get a job, a well paying job is generally what your parents tell you. You buy yeah. a house, you buy a car, you get married, you have kids. Like that's kind of the road that we get told to go down. Yep. Yeah. So that's a little bit of my background. Yeah.
0: Okay. So most people, most people, kind of put together having lots of money as being free. When it comes to money, you're talking about getting rid of things and having not so much money to feel free. Can you can you go no. into that a little bit more for us?
1: So it's not about the money; it's mm-hmm. your attachment to the money. Okay. So the way that I I equated money to love. And the more money I had, then the more love I had for myself. Okay. That's what I mean by unhealthy attachment. Yep. Yeah. And like, cause money can buy you things and like money could do all this stuff and money would give me status. And my parents always told me to get a good paying job. So I got a good paying job. And then that cemented that, you know what? Oh, like I'm worthy because I have a good paying job. Mm. And then it was a big deal to buy a house so young. So then that kind of gave me a feeling of like importance. It gave me that feeling of status because I was able to buy something like this big thing that a lot of people can't buy that early. And Mm. it was because, you know, I saved money and I've always been naturally good at saving money. It's just the way that I equated money to who I was as a person kind of rolling it into my identity was what was unhealthy for me. Cause as soon as I had to buy something, it took a lot out of me as a person to go and buy somebody a gift because then I'm giving away the love that I had for myself to somebody else. Does that make sense? Yep. Yep. Yeah. So it's like I gave away a part of myself every time I spent money. And that was a very big thing for me. It was a huge realization when I figured it out. I think I was actually in an LP training when I figured it out for myself. Okay. So I did a lot of work around money and finding out what it is that I actually wanted versus what someone had told me that I wanted. Do you know what I mean? Like right. when you're younger, you're yep. told to do these things, but that doesn't necessarily yep. mean that that's what you want. Yeah. So you're
0: do- someone else's values.
1: Yeah, exactly. And, like, mm. you don't normally question, oh, yeah, you get older, you get a job, you get a house, you get a car. Like, that's that's just the way that life works. But it's not the way life works. That's just we're adopting that from our families or from society versus yep. what we truly want. So when I sold my house, um, that's when I realized I don't want to be in alone. Mm. I want to be able to spend my money and not feel constricted in any way. Because as yep. soon as I got the loan, that's where my mental health decreased quite a bit. Because okay. now you're dependent on something and it's like, I didn't have as much freedom. Mm. So if I go back into that, I'm going to go back into it in a much healthier way. And I need to make sure I'll be prepared for it. Yep. But right now I'm just loving, I'm loving um, renting and just being able to, I don't know, Go to seminars or go buy books because I love books. You know what? If I want to go out to dinner, I'm going to go out to dinner and I'm not going to feel bad or think that I'm not going to be able to afford my mortgage later, which there's nothing wrong with having mortgages. That's just the track that I had to go down to fix me.
0: Okay. So you say you did a lot of work to make that change to where Mm -hmm. you feel happier now about money. What was the process you went through to do that?
1: It was, I think the biggest thing that changed it was the awareness. Like as soon as I knew that I equated money with love, that was the biggest change for me. Um, And then from that point onwards, it was just reaffirming to myself each time I looked at my bank account or that I gave money away just reaffirming myself as to why I was doing it. Like I'm going to buy a gift for my friend because I love them and that doesn't take away from me. It's actually me being able to express my love for them versus me giving a part of myself to them, to that person instead. And it was a lot of identity work, like figuring out who I was as a person. So I actually wrote down a list of what I wanted and who I thought that I was Um, and where I wanted to be as a person as well. So it's the things that I wanted in life, who I was in that current moment and who I wanted to be in the future. And that helped me really like narrow down a little bit more of what it is that I'm looking at. And then I questioned myself on every single thing to say, is this truly what I want? And why do I want that? And it helped me determine whether or not I wanted that thing because somebody else wanted it or if I actually wanted it. So like like the house, I say the house because that's the biggest thing that happened to me. Like that was my triggering point. Yeah. So I looked at a house and I was like, do I actually want to own the house? Like, do I want to have a unit? And it was on my want list, but I realized I didn't actually want that unit. It wasn't the unit for me. Like it wasn't a long-term I wasn't super happy with where I was, like what was around me, like the neighbourhood, and I didn't enjoy being in alone and I ultimately want to enjoy my life. So then that's when I made the decision, well, okay, so I don't actually want it, I don't like the unit that I have currently and I don't enjoy this, so I'm going to sell it. Mm -hmm. That's how the list worked for me. Okay. Yeah. So I did the list. I did a lot of seminars and a lot of personal development training, which helped me kind of figure out more about who I was and what I wanted to let go of from the past. So there was a lot of releasing going on from past situations that then allowed me to loosen my hold on money and that security that comes with money. I'm not sure. Yeah. If you know what I mean. So I had to release stuff.
0: It's a perceived security.
1: Pretty much it is. Yeah,
0: because money can't really make you feel secure.
1: It can't, no, but I did not think that at the time.
0: Like the way that I
1: was brought up, there was a lot of beliefs I had to go through, Mm. especially for my business, which I'll get to later. But, yeah, the way that I was brought up is that, you know, Money equals financial stability and stability equals safety. Mm. And my biggest value is safety. Okay. And it's not necessarily defined as financial safety, but it, it encompasses. Encompasses? Yep. That's yep. such a weird word. <laughs> Can you say it encompasses? Am I saying that right?
0: Yep, you're saying that right.
1: Yeah. Okay, cool, 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 cool. cool.
0: Sorry. <laughs> So where do you get your feeling of safety from now if it's not related to money? Me. Cool.
1: So I get my safety feeling is like in the bottom of my stomach mm-hmm. and it's just like it's a grounded feeling. And I had to do – I did a lot of alignment work with MBIT as well, mm-hmm. which is where I was aligning my head, my heart, and my gut mm-hmm. um, to all be on the same page. And – Doing the work to feel secure in who I was as a person versus external things. Yep. Uh, I also did quite a lot of work around my core needs and identifying. With money, with my spending habits, with my saving habits, they, that was the one that was the worst, was my saving habits. You know, what meet, needs were they meeting and were they meeting it resourcefully or unresourcefully? Yeah. And majority of the time it was unresourceful. Okay. Like I was meeting security, I was meeting variety, significance, connection, um, all, and growth in a weird way, all unresourcefully with my saving of money. So, yeah, um, I suppose that's kind of what I did for it. There's a lot of journaling and things like that you can do. I did a few meditations Mm -hmm. um, as well to help me shift more of my mindset. And then when I started the business, I thought I was fine with money. Like I thought everything was great. I'd done all this work. I'm going to kill it. And then my habits kind of snuck in there and they're like, oh, we don't believe that we can have a business because businesses are hard and, you know, you have to work hard for your money but you don't work hard. And having a business means you never get to spend time with your family. It means you're always going to be struggling for money. There's a lot of that stuff that came up. Because both my parents had businesses when I was growing up. Mm. So that's what I saw. Like they had small businesses and that's the environment that I was in. And I took that on as a child and then decided that that was who I was as a person in my adult years. And that that must be what business is like. Even though consciously I know that it's not, unconsciously I believed it. And that's where your habits come from. So I did a lot of timeline therapy and like digging down into my beliefs. So I wrote down, so I had a few journal prompts for myself and I would write down what it is that I believed about a business and I just wrote. And I made sure that I had at least 10 things that I thought was resourceful and 10 things that I believed that I didn't think were resourceful to make sure that I got them out because you know how – your mind can sometimes be like, oh, we want to stay positive. So I'm just gonna pretend like that belief's not there.
0: Yep.
1: <laughs> you know? Yep. So I had to make sure I had to make sure I wrote everything down. And then I would read over them and try and dig a little bit deeper down to get to the core belief of where it came from. Okay. And I found it. <laughs> Which <laughs> Which surprisingly had nothing to do with business, but that it like directed all of my business beliefs. Yep. Um, Yeah. And it actually directed quite a lot of my beliefs in my entire life. So that was really interesting. Mm. Then I got a friend to do some timeline therapy with me to release that belief. And I've been doing work. Each time I go into my business, I set intentions now and I set an intention to say that, you know, I am a successful businesswoman and I am able to achieve blah, blah, blah kind of thing. So I, I do daily intentions in order to help myself continue being healthy when it comes to my business and the money that I've got, which comes to another point. Because I grew up in a middle-class family, that was kind of where my mindset was around money as well. So in the business I had, my parents both owned small businesses, so I took that on. Plus, we came from a middle-class family, and I took that on as my identity as well, which means I was always really good at making this kind of amount of money. And it just kind of came naturally to me. Like every job, I just fell into it, Um, and that's the level that I got to until I started the business and then I wanted to obviously push past that point and to make more than that and I always had big money goals. Yeah, so that kind of pulled me back down each time. Yeah, like, you know when you work really hard and you like, you put in the effort and you put in all the time and you're going really well for like a month and then you just spend an entire week on the couch? Yep. Not doing any work, that was kind of my pitfall. So I would do that and then I would spend a week doing nothing and then I would cycle back around again. Okay. So I had to work on all of my habits. It's really hard to define what I did for the money. I started with the money, but the money ended up somewhere else, kind of like in coaching. like You say like, what's the problem? What's your desired state? And then when you really start digging into it, you realize that the root cause is something different. And my root cause, yeah, the problem's not the problem. And my problem was me not loving me and having all of these things tied to my identity. So I had to untangle all that at the same time that I was doing the financial stuff. Okay. Yeah. So that's kind of how I did it. Good old money. (laughs) And knowing that I could do it, that was another big thing. I started giving myself beliefs, like choosing what I wanted to believe that I could make. X, Y, Z amount of money and yep. I could keep it and I could have, you know, I could go and buy that house that I want to buy and I can buy a house outright. Like I don't need to use the bank. I can buy a house outright yep. and I can do all of these things because I want to buy a house outright. Yep. Don't get me wrong. This kind of sounds a little bit like, oh, money's the worst. I like money. I <laughs> do enjoy money. Yep. And I do think that money allows me so many opportunities. So I like it. So I want it. It's just knowing how to want it healthy and knowing that I can have it and changing the way I think about it Mm. so that I can kind of bring it in and keep it instead of self sabotaging and like, oh, look at all these money opportunities. I'm going to push you away because I'm not worthy of them. (laughs) Well, now it's like, bring me that money.
0: There are lots of beliefs that people have around money, aren't there?
1: There are a lot of beliefs.
0: Things like money is the root of all evil. If you have a lot of money, it means you're a bad person because other people don't have as much as you do. All this sort of stuff that's going on for people. Mm. They can also get in the way of them achieving what it is that they really want to achieve deep down.
1: Do you know what's really interesting? When you start digging into money and people's money's beliefs, and I've seen this with a few people that I've been coaching, We have conflicting beliefs that you need to go out, have a good job, buy a house, but money isn't everything. Money doesn't bring you happiness. Money is the root of all evil. So then you have this person who is, oh, like I need money in order to do these things that I'm supposed to be doing, but money's bad. Yeah. So money's good to do these things, but money's bad. And then they yo-yo between the two of them. Like They'll get their paycheck in and they'll see something that they want to go and buy, So they're like, oh, look, I've got the money, so I'm going to go buy it. And then they feel bad because they bought it because money is bad. Mm. And then they go on a tight, restrictive budget then for like the next couple of weeks or the next couple of months and kind of self-punish because they bought something because money was bad. And then this thing pops up again and they're like, well, why am I restricting so much? Like, this is ridiculous. I'm going to go buy this thing if I want to go buy this thing. And sometimes it can be like as small as going out to dinner or it could be like, buying a, I don't know, a boat or a car or going on a course. Mm. And then the yo-yo, they just keep flipping back and forth and they don't know why. Also the same as you could have, like you could make a lot of money, like have a lot of money come in, but then spend all your money as well. So you're always at that certain level that you believe that you can make so even though more money comes to you, like you make more, say your, okay, say your base is like 60, like you're like, yeah, I can make 60,000 easy. And like, I, that, like, that's just what I believe I can have. And in that year, you actually make 90,000, but then you're like, unconsciously, that's like a trigger point for you. And then you go and spend... Like 50000 so now you actually have less money in your bank account than what you should have had?
0: Yeah.
1: You know what I mean? Like you go from one extreme to the other so that, because you've got more conflicting beliefs.
0: That's the sort of thing that happens when people win the lotto, right? They all, all of a sudden got all this money, mm-hmm. but they don't feel like they deserve it, so they blow it and end up in a worse position than they were when they before they won the lotto, right? You would hear that a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a lot of people say, I wish I'd never won the damn lotto because now I'm worse off than I was before I'd won the lotto.
1: Which, yeah, it all comes down to your mentality, right, yeah. and your beliefs and so they've what it some, is that you're going to do with it? They've
0: obviously got some really dodgy beliefs around their own self-worth, what money they're worth, what money is and what money does, and they just get rid of it without really knowing why.
1: Yeah, I think a lot of that also comes down to like – society's expectations of what it is that you would do if you were to win the lotto. I ask this question for a lot of people because I love to hear people's answers because they're so very different to mine (laughs) from my hoarder tendencies that I used to have. If someone was like, Sarah, if you won $5 million, like what would you do with it? I was like, I would put it in compounding interest for like 20 years because I hoarded money, <laughs> um, but other people's are like I'd go out and I'd buy a house, I'd buy a boat, I'd buy a house for everyone in my family. Yep, you know. So the standard response to lotto winning is to spend it. Mm. So then you've got to spend it, plus this big life-changing event, which now changes your identity as well. Imagine if you just like got fifty million dollars overnight. Mm. That's crazy amount, and that can really affect your your identity and who you think you are because you you're one in a million you yeah. just won the lotto yep. and then you've got the beliefs and the conflicting beliefs underneath it
0: mm. so, so one one quote i heard from somebody that i think makes a lot of sense to me and i'm interested in your opinion on it is they said that money like
1: make
0: money. money does not change who you are money merely amplifies who you are so
1: oh i 100% agree with that yeah because you, all it does is offer you the means to do something. Yeah. So if you were going to be – if I, in my world, no matter how much money I made, I still hoarded money. The more that I made, the more that I saved, mm-hmm. which makes no sense because generally when you start earning more, then you can start spending more because you're now like got that little bit more of a freedom cushion. I didn't do that. I just kept holding on to it and holding on to it. Yep. And there's people who blow their entire paycheck going out drinking. So you give them more money, they're just going to drink more. Yeah, and now you've got – or if there's that person who's always been saving and all they want to do is go and do some reckless, adventurous stuff, that money then gives them the option to go and do that, and then they'll just do it over and over and over and over again. Okay. So So I agree.
0: What about the people who say that if you want to make more money, you should give money away? Like to charity or things like that to help other people. You know, there's a whole, there's a whole group of people out like there who'll say that if you if you give things away, you'll get things back more than you gave
1: away. I think that's a belief that I choose not to believe because I don't want to limit myself and my ability. Okay. I personally dislike labels. Um, I think that they cage people and they, as soon as you place a label on something, you then restrict what can come. So to place that belief and that label on myself to say that I have to give in order to get, it just doesn't sit right with me. I mean, the law of reciprocity, what you put out, you get back that kind of thing, like sure, but I think there's different ways to put out in order to get back. Okay. You know, like there's multiple options for so many different things in life. Mm. Like, you know, if you're going to go to the shops, you now have like you've got Woolies, you've got Coles, you've got Audi, you've got IGA. You have a bunch of different shops that you can go to to get food. So if I want to bring money in, there's multiple different ways that I could go to bring that in or even to give back in order to bring it in that doesn't have to be money-based. Yep. Yep. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Like maybe I go and donate time to something instead of giving money, I go and give time and therefore I still get something back from that. Yeah, cool. Yeah, so I don't personally choose that belief.
0: Okay. So what about people that are kind of living paycheck to paycheck and it's always just – like I only just ever ever just get enough money in to sort of cover the bills and that's about it. What sort of advice could you give to someone like that?
1: I'm assuming we're talking coaching advice because I could give – I'm great with finances and budgets, so I could like do a budget up for you guys. Right. I'm really good at it and I love it. That's probably not what you meant. Well, is that, is that the advice say, that you
0: would give to someone is to set a budget and to uh...
1: – Oh, yeah. within reason – Once again, my hoarding tendencies means that I have a really good budget system in place, but I don't necessarily follow it to a T. So I would suggest making a budget so you actually understand your numbers, like know how many bills that you have. So you've got, because a lot of times someone will come to me and we'll do a budget. I'm not a financial planner, but I just like to do it. (laughs) I enjoy it. Mm -hmm. So I ask all my friends if I can do their budgets for them. (laughs) So they come to me and they give me their bills. And I was like, oh, what about your telephone bill? Oh, I didn't even think about that. Okay, so what about your rates? Like, I know you only get it every quarter, but, like, it's still a bill. And, like, what about your red Joe? What about Spotify and, you know, Netflix? They always forget about the little ones. So they're like, oh, I've got all this money to spend. you're like, well, no, once you actually know how much, you need to pay in bills a year the amount that you can spend is less which is why you keep finding yourself not saving any money and actually ending up losing money at the end of the year because you're not you're not going to the fundamentals so i think of money the same way i think of coaching is you've got to get your fundamentals and understand your fundamentals in order to build upon it yep and fundamentals for finance is knowing what your Bills are for the entire year, every single thing, and knowing how much you get paid in hand each year. So not the this is what I make in a year, it's this is what I get after tax. Mm. That that's the amount you want because people get caught up there all the time. And once you know those two amounts, you can then see, all right, well, I actually spend, you know, I have to spend, I'm just gonna go off the cuff here, like. 30 grand a year in bills and I make take home 52, Yep. you know, so then you've only got that amount left over in between, which is what, like 22, 22 grand in between that you can spend throughout the year, which doesn't really sound like a lot now that I'm saying it for a year, but like that's (laughs) when you start counting in like red Joe's. Yeah. Yeah. I always count food into mine though. So Mm -hmm. I do my bills section and then I do my living section, which is fuel and groceries and alcohol and dining out. Yep. I separate all of them. So I know exactly how much it is that I spend. And then I break it all down into like weekly amounts And then I set up direct deposits. Okay. So my wage, I don't see my wage. It goes into, it goes directly into a savings account. And then the amount that I allocate to myself for each week automatically comes out every Monday. Okay. Which is the day that I go shopping. And I know how much I can spend a week. So if I'm getting close to spending over that amount, that's my trigger point. Like when I start getting like $20 out, I'm like, all right. I need to be conscious of this fact. So I give myself, I'm very lenient because I just am. So I give myself $200 a week to spend on stuff that's not bills. So, I mean, your budget does not have to be strict. That is one thing. A lot of people assume that as soon as you make a budget, it's going to be strict. You can make it as lenient as you want to make it. It just depends on what your goal is and like who you are as a person. Me, I need more freedom now because I've kind of gone opposite to hoarding. So I've got $200 a week that works for me, and I live on by myself, so food's not really that much. So I've got $200 a week. That's what I can spend. When I, after I get to, like if I've got $50 left in my account, then game over. I need to now be very conscious of the way that I'm spending, and most of the time I don't even get to that point. Mm. You know, because when you know you've only got $200, you're just like, oh, well, what's the point of going out and buying Macca's? when, you know what, I actually kind of want to go and buy that new book and that new book is like $30. So I think I'm just going to not go to Macca's and I'll just spend my $30 on that book and then I feel better anyway. Mm. So you know your numbers, you know what you can spend, and then it feels better because you're staying within the plan that you gave yourself and you're spending your money more wisely.
0: Okay. Yeah. Okay. So Good old budgets.
1: Budgets are not evil. Budgets are good. And that is a belief I'm going to put into everyone's head. Budgets are good. You can be as lenient or as strict as you want as long as it's healthy for you and it's maintainable.
0: Yeah. Sustainable is a big word, isn't it? Mm
1: -hmm. So
0: you said earlier, one of the things you said that I think people are going to struggle with is you said that you can bring in as much money as you want. It's easy to do.
1: It is easy to do. You just – it's all about – I kind of touched on it before in, like, the classes that you grew up in, if we're talking, like, money classes, and I'm being very stereotypical, but so if you grew up poor, if you grew up, like, middle class, working class, you know, you grew up with billions of dollars, you generally find, and there's a lot of studies to back it up, you generally find that people who grew up in those classes stay in those classes. So I grew up middle class, I stayed middle class my entire life, and it was easy to stay that way. I had friends that grew up working class, and they stayed that way. But we had the same environment and the same opportunities, but I just seemed to get the other, like, I went for those middle class opportunities, and they went for the working class opportunities. But everything was available, we all had the same skill set, because I believed that I could get that. And I believe that was within my scope. Whereas they didn't believe that they could achieve that because they didn't have any evidence in their life up to that point that they could get something other than what their parents had. Same with billionaires. Like you see how many kids grow up in a money environment who then make money. So many people do that. And the way to change that, like if you want to change it, kind of like Tony Robbins like he went from like being i think he was a working class to making millions of dollars because he created for himself a desire to get out of that environment and to make the money that he chose to make so you've got to change what you believe in and what you think is possible so i would sit down and again do the same thing that i did with the businesses you write down Everything that you believe about money, making sure that you do your positives and your negatives and just sit there and like look at that list and ask yourself consciously like, you know, like, is this actually realistic or could I have more in my life? And then you go and find examples of people who have more because there's so many stories of people who have gone from nothing to a lot And people who've gone from a lot to nothing. Like you can do it both ways if you really want to. If you want to have nothing, you can do it. See what's possible, like actually research it and then listen to what you're telling yourself as you're researching that person. Like if you see, so if you're going to, only because we've talked about Tony before, but if you see Tony Robbins, you're like, yeah, that's great. But he had this, 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 and this. I don't have that. Well, Mm. that's a belief. That's a belief that you don't have that. That's a belief that you can never get that and that's a belief that in order to make that money you have to have that and it's a choice every belief is a choice that you make so write down what you're thinking as you're researching people that have what you want to have and then when you've researched that person i would then also write a list of list of what is it that that person believes now where they are and you write all of those beliefs down and then you compare them you're like okay so the difference between what I believed and what I was thinking versus what I think that they would believe is this, 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 and this. Like maybe he says, you know, in order to, the belief that Tony Robbins has in order to have a lot of money is that um, money is easy, you know, that you work hard for your money or something like that. But on this list, you've got down, I don't work hard, money is hard, money is bad, Um, no one will like me if I make money. Mm. Australia has tall poppy. If I make money, I'm I'm going to be cut down by society. You're like, okay, so now match these up. If if they don't match up, then what can you do to cut out the beliefs that no longer work for you so you can achieve your goal, which you can do through timeline, you can do through journaling, you can do through hypnosis, meditation, dance release. Like there's so many ways you can Mm. remove beliefs. And remove them and then set mantras every day of this is what I choose to believe. So I'm going to say this to myself every single day. You know like Curran Ray? He had the Ten Commandments. Make yourself commandments that you say to yourself every day, multiple times a day, because the more you repeat something out loud is very important because what you say is what you are. So when you repeat it out loud, then you're going to actually start adopting those beliefs and start believing that is what you can have which sounds super simple and easy and it may it may not be super it's super simple like my money journey took two a year and a half since I first realized I had I equated money to love it took a year and okay. a half to get to this point and there's still stuff that I'm working on so some people it takes longer like me, I have friends that pretty much changed their beliefs in one day and everything was – they found their root cause. It changed yep. all of their beliefs from that point. Yep. So it could be easy, it could be hard. depends on what your belief okay. is around that as well. You just have to do the work. If you don't well, do the work, you're not going to get if it. nothing
0: changes, nothing changes, right? Yeah.
1: Exactly. So if you don't want to change your belief, like if you can't even – put in an effort to sit down and write down a list of your beliefs, then, you know, how are you going to change as a person yep. to achieve your dreams? Okay. Yeah. Well,
0: that's been a very interesting chat. <laughs> we're, um, You're welcome. We're at, we're at the point where this is about as far as I normally go for these episodes. So you filled the time admirably, young Sarah, and I do appreciate your time. Mm, thank, you. thank you for coming on the show again. This is the second time you've been along to one of my little podcast episodes, so I do appreciate you popping in for a visit and, and mm. giving us some of your insights. And you do I indeed do love to chat. You do indeed. So, thanks mm. again for popping in, and to everybody who's listening. I'm sure you are also thankful for Sarah coming along and giving us her opinions and her advice around money. So. Sarah, thanks for coming along. We'll have a chat again sometime soon. Thank you. Everybody, thanks for being here. Bye. It's been a great episode. I hope you got something out of it as much as I did. Thanks for being here. You're awesome. Well, that's it for this week's episode of the Sean Street Experience. I thought it was a fascinating topic, and I hope you got a lot out of it as well. For more information, check out my Facebook page, The Sean Street Experience, or you can go to my website, theshawnstreetexperience.com. If you've got any ideas for topics for a future episode, send me an email at podcast at I'd love to hear your ideas. Thanks for being here this week. I look forward to talking to you again next week. Bye for now.